Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, A Tarawa Whodunit, and I'm your host, Rick Stone. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this preview of No Home for Heroes on YouTube, we invite you to listen to the complete episode on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And now, on with our show. Today's episode will walk you through a very difficult case, the type of which is known in law enforcement as a whodunit. You will get the actual feel for how MIA cases are investigated and how most of them are not simple slam dunks, even in the age of sophisticated technologies, computers, and DNA comparisons. Like most investigations, today's case of unknown X-35 will take us down dead-end paths, false leads, mistakes by yours truly, and host of other frustrations that left us scratching our heads on this whodunit until a minor adjustment in the investigative process produced a positive result. And yes, just as a spoiler, today's episode will have a happy ending. Let's start by introducing you to Unknown X-35. This case file referenced the remains of an unknown Marine who was discovered on the small Pacific island of Tarawa by the Army Graves Registration Service, or AGRIS, on 20 March 1946. Thousands of Marines and sailors had attempted to storm the northern shores on Tarawa during the early morning hours of 20 November 1943. Due to incredible incompetence by invasion planners, Most of the Higgins boat landing craft drew too much water to cross over the surrounding coral reefs on Tarawa. Heavily laden marines were forced to wade hundreds of yards to the shore and three designated beaches on Tarawa, Red Beach 1, Red Beach 2, and Red Beach 3. All during this wade-in process, almost 5,000 Japanese on the island poured heavy defensive fire into the determined marines. The Japanese defenders literally threw everything at advancing Marines, including a proverbial kitchen sink, which was later used as a grave marker for one American killed in action. Sixteen months after the battle ended, the 604th Army Graves Registration Service Company arrived on Tarawa with instructions to consolidate the hundreds of individual burials located in 41 separate cemeteries from the 1943 battle. They were instructed to consolidate all of those burials into a single cemetery on Basio Island in the Tarawa Atoll. This task was accomplished after much difficulty in finding and identifying the dead. The skeletal bodies that were located were disinterred, wrapped in a blanket, placed in a wooden casket, and then reburied in a single cemetery designated as Lone Palm Cemetery. The remains that could not be identified by Agris were designated as unknown, and they were assigned an X number. The skull was photographed from three angles with the intent that the photos would aid in future identification efforts. Little did Agris know 
that their faith in the future would hold true. Seventy-five years later, a company named Missing Person Link of Canada, with Foundation Assistance, would develop the computerized cranial facial recognition program that would ultimately help us identify X-35. In late 1946 and early 1947, all of the bodies in Lone Palm Cemetery were again disinterred and shipped to the Central Identification Laboratory of the Schofield Mausoleum on the island of Oahu, Hawaii. Between 1947 and 1949, the staff of the Central Identification Laboratory reprocessed all of the remains from Lone Palm Cemetery and were able to identify many who were shipped home to the mainland for hometown burials per their family request. Others from Lone Palm Cemetery were buried in the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, also known as the Punch Bowl, in Honolulu, Hawaii. At the Central Identification Laboratory, Dr. Mildred Trotter examined X-35 on 17 June 1948. Dr. Trotter was regarded as one of the premier physical anthropologists of the 20th century, with special emphasis on human bone and hair identification. Dr. Trotter, along with Dr. G.C. Gleiser, developed a method to estimate stature. This method, after going through several different variations, is still in use today by modern forensic identification laboratories all around the world. Ironically, it would be my dependence on an earlier version of Dr. Trotter's method that would carry my investigation down a barren path to a dead end. Despite concerted efforts by Dr. Trotter and other staff members at the Central Identification Laboratory, X-35 could not be identified, and he was reburied in the Punchbowl Cemetery with the single word, unknown, carved on his headstone. The case reports were duly prepared and filed away in the records room of the Central Identification Laboratory, and there, the whodunit case of X-35 sat for almost 65 years. On 25 February 2012, while a member of the Department of Defense, the case file of X-35 landed on my desk, along with over a hundred additional unknowns who had died in the Battle of Tarawa and were buried in the Punchbowl Cemetery in Honolulu, Hawaii. Unknown X-35 was recovered by Agris personnel on a hot, dusty Wednesday on 20 March 1946, from row 1, grave number 3, in Cemetery 26 on Tarawa. Cemetery 26 was just inland from what had been Red Beach 2 during the invasion in November 1943. X-35 was the 54th recovery by Agris in what would later be a total of 532 sets of remains found by that unit. Unfortunately, over 500 known dead from the battle were not found by the Army Graves Registration Service Company. Agris was unable to identify X-35 in the field and noted in their reports that, was, that there was no skull with the remains. I remember thinking at the time when I first read this notation that, well, there's strike one on this case. No skull. That notation of no skull also meant that there would be no dental charts of X-35, 
which was the primary source of forensic identification until the advent of DNA and law enforcement usage in the late 1980s. Unfortunately, the Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command Laboratory was still referring to DNA as, quote, voodoo science, end quote, in 2012. But wait, like appealing to the umpire to change his call, strike one was erased when I looked closer at the original no-skull penciled remarks on the Agris dental chart. I noted that X35, on the chart, had been written over the top of a partially erased number X20. Further research of X35's file revealed three photographs of his skull and a dental chart. I quickly followed this lead down the X20 path and found myself again against a dead end. In the X20 case file, there was one photo of the left side of a different skull with an apparent skull fracture and a set of teeth. The anthropological report indicated no skull and no other portion of the skeleton above the waist was present when X-20 was examined by the Army Central Identification Laboratory in 1947. The file of X-20 also indicated that X-20 had been originally identified as First Lieutenant Dominic Vanditti. Lieutenant Vanditti was originally an unknown X-19 and was buried on the right side of X-20. The examination report by Dr. Charles Snow on 22 October 1947 of X-20 indicated that a dental chart was made on 22 March 1946, but the skull and the teeth were, quote, lost, end quote, sometime between 22 March 1946 and 17 December 1946. This comment by Dr. Snow proved not to be correct. The initial dental chart that was made for X-20 at Cemetery 26 on 19 March 1946 states, Head shot off, no skull. The dental chart of the attendant skull was not made until 17 December 1946. Therefore, the skull became missing from the inclusion of X-20's remains sometime between 17 December 1946 and 22 October 1947. I know all of this sounds confusing. Believe me, it was confusing to me when I first read it. But slowly but surely, I figured it out. In addition, research indicated that the cause of death for Lieutenant Banditti was a gunshot wound to the head. This was consistent with the skull fracture shown in the photo of X-20. Based on this information, I thought it was probable that the skull in the photograph, which was later given a dental charting, was not that of X-20. The skull most likely was determined sometime after 17 December 1946 to belong to Lieutenant Vanditti and was included with Lieutenant Vanditti's remains when they were identified by the Army Central Identification Laboratory and ultimately buried in the punch bowl. The photographs in the dental chart of X-35, the case we're working today, indicated that someone, somewhere, sometime, did find X-35's missing skull and put those records in the correct case file. What was once a dead end turned into a promising lead and then turned into a dead end again, but not completely so. 
X-35 was shipped to the Army Central Identification Laboratory for forensic testing, and Dr. Trotter examined the remains and determined that X-35 was probably a white male, 70.1 inches tall, 160 to 170 pounds, and 23 to 25 years of age. Dr. Trotter was able to identify hair color, which she classified as light ash brown. She estimated the cause of death was multiple fractures of vertebrae and sacrum, which is your pelvis. And under anthropological notations, Dr. Trotter wrote that X-35 was, quote, average muscularity. The skull is small average in size, long oval in shape. The forehead slopes, the brow ridges are prominent. The nose appears to have been prominent. The chin is bilateral in type, and there is some gonial flare. Also found in the body of X-35 was one brown leather shoe, a left shoe, size 8 E. X-35 presented a dental profile with 24 of 32 original teeth intact, and minimal prior dental work was evident. The skeleton in the case of X-35 was approximately 75% complete. After reviewing Dr. Trotter's analysis, I felt sure we had a good biometric profile to add to my self-designed, computerized, random incident statistical correlation, or RISC system. This is a database I used for all Tarawa casualties. The biometric data for all of the individuals still listed as missing from the Battle of Tarawa could be compared to X-35, which should result in a list of most likely matches. But wait, bless her heart, Dr. Trotter was not finished giving me more leads to follow. Dr. Trotter found bones with X-35 that did not belong to the skeleton of X-35. In fact, she found the bones of not one, but two additional casualties. Dr. Trotter speculated that the extraskeletal remains might be associated with unknowns X-32, X-37, or X-34. Unfortunately, she could not make the connections to these other unknowns, and neither could I. Back to strike one with another dead end. Well, Dr. Trotter was not finished with giving me leads to follow. When she examined the remains of X-35 in Hawaii, Dr. Trotter added a notation on her report under the section listing any official identification found with the remains. She noted one embossed plate reading Osterlin, comma, Herbert F., period, private, serial number 832087. Okay, now we're talking, I thought. This was a real solid lead that could erase strike one and make this a slam dunk. X-35 sure looked like it might be Private Herbert Osterlin now. Sorry, not going to happen. I soon determined that Private Osterlin was a casualty who was originally recovered from Cemetery 11, not Cemetery 26. Furthermore, he was originally an unknown designated as X-160. Private Osterlin was later identified by Agris personnel on the island, and he was returned home to his family, and he is currently buried in Arlington National Cemetery. In other words, ID plate or no plate found by Dr. Trotter 
Private Osterlin could not be X-35. Strike two. Silly me. I still thought I could solve the case by running Dr. Trotter's excellent biometric analysis through my wrist system and comparing X-35 to the 514 known MIAs from Tarawa. I began, as always, with the most reliable wrist system data set, the height data set. Dr. Trotter stated, as you will recall, that X-35 was 70.1 inches tall. She was very precise in this analysis. At the time I had designed the risk system to use a 2.0 inch margin of error based on some original research by Dr. Trotter. I repeatedly attempted to get the JPAC Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command Laboratory to provide me with any modern updated forensic formulas for height margin of errors that they were using. The JPAC laboratory repeatedly refused to help me. The bottom line was that RIS started out comparing all known Tarawa MIAs who were 68.1 inches to 72.1 inches tall as listed in their original records. The RIS system then went down the scale of data sets comparing race, weight, age, shoe size, cap size, hair color, etc., 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 all in total about 40 different data sets. The result of my analysis and comparison of X35 resulted in 10 most likely matches. And after I got those 10 most likely matches, I personally compared their dental charts. I had to do this because the JPAC lab again refused the services of their trained odontologists. I didn't like any of the possible 10 most likely matches to be X35. There were just too many inconsistencies in the dental comparisons. Today, when I go back and reread my original JPAC report on X35, I can still read between the lines and see my lack of confidence in my original investigative findings. But I wasn't ready to declare strike three and call myself out but I sure wasn't happy with my findings either. At that time, I moved on to other case investigations, but always thought that X-35 was a solvable case, a veritable whodunit that maybe, someday, we could resolve. After I left the Department of Defense and JPAC in 2012, the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation took up the efforts to help the families of MIAs with case investigations and information. These investigators and researchers at the Foundation re-examined X-35 and Dr. Trotter's original bone measurements that caused her to come up to the conclusion that X-35 was precisely 70.1 inches tall. Using Dr. Trotter's own updated formula produced before she died in 1991, the Foundation concluded that X-35 should have been estimated to be 69.2 inches tall and not 70.1 inches tall. Of course, the JPAC lab should have known this in 2012 when I was working this case at the Department of Defense, but they refused to assist me. And it was not until 2014 when the Foundation ran the correct height margin of error through the risk system that the results were vastly different. Eureka! 
Among the most likely matches in the new risk system analysis was the slam dunk I was looking for. Private John Merrill Tillman from Reno, Nevada. Private Tillman's records indicated that he was 68.0 inches tall. <laughs> Even with the older trotter height calculation formula that I had used in my original JPAC investigation, I had missed including him in the original risk system comparison by one-tenth of one inch. It was on me. My bad. Private Tillman was 20 years old. Almost 21, not quite. And he weighed 146 pounds with light brown hair. All of the risk system margins of error to be X35. And his dental chart was an exact match. To further solidify the case, Foundation had begun working cooperatively with a company in Canada named Missing Person Link. Missing Person Link developed a computerized cranial facial recognition program that identified the facial attributes of Private Tillman as a match, a solid match, to the skull photographs of X-35. <laughs> in Texas, we call this Eureka moment winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> Even our Canadians and associates with Missing Person Link like that homespun analogy. Alas, all of our renewed confidence in the reinvestigation of X-35 did not put us any closer to bringing Private Tillman home. After no less than 14 individual delays on a Spirit Airlines plane ride to Private Tillman's home state of Nevada and a pledge to never again fly Spirit Airlines, we continued to remain frustrated. On 7 December 2016, the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation offered a comprehensive updated report on X-35 to the interim director of the new Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, or DPA. We noted that the Foundation's ongoing investigation listed Private Tillman as a most likely match, and even a best match, the unknown X-35. After almost five years from my original JPAC case investigations, DPA finally decided to act on my official recommendations for disinterment and identification of all of the punch bowl unknowns from Tarawa. On 5 February 2017, X-35 was exhumed from Section E, grave number 782, at the Punch Bowl Cemetery. It took DPA six months to identify Private Tillman as X-35 based on his dental comparison. Even the uncooperative idiots at the JPAC laboratory would have seen that X-35 was Private Tillman if they had just looked at the chart that I tried to get them to review in 2012. On April 6, 2018, Private Tillman, after being identified, was returned to the same grave where he had laid with his fellow Marines from Tarawa in Section E at the National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific, known as the Punch Bowl. But, this time, his new headstone did not read unknown. The grave marker now proudly proclaims for all the world to see, John M. Tillman, Private, USMC, World War II, Purple Heart, January 23, 1923, 
to November 20th, 1943. Thankfully, it didn't say another Tarawa whodunit finally saw. Thank you for listening to this episode of No Home for Heroes. We hope you've enjoyed today's production and we invite you to check out our other episodes. You can now subscribe to listen free on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to tune in every Saturday when we will post a new episode of History's Military Mysteries Missing in Action. Episodes of No Home for Heroes are produced from the actual investigative case files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation, dedicated to providing information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. As always, we greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. Our next episode is titled, The Case of the Blonde Bomber. Learn how a B-24 bomber believed to have been shot down over Germany in 1944 really wasn't, and how eight missing crewmen of the bomber really weren't missing at all. (laughs) You sure don't want to miss this one. A family finds out the real facts that their own family history had been wrong for almost 75 years. What a story. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that war is the nation that has no heroes, but shameful is the nation that having heroes forgets them.